Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with Sarah Rivera, and she is a STEM and science teacher in Ohio. We've connected so many times on Twitter. It's great to finally meet these people, and that's one of the best parts about doing a podcast is getting to meet great people. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to connect with Sarah on Twitter as well, which you should, she is Sarah with an H, Sarah Rivera STEM, and of course, that'll be in the show notes as well when we're done, check that out and follow her because she's posting all sorts of crazy and amazing things that she does with her students every day in her classes. How'd you get into education and then dive into those STEM pieces, Sarah? Sure. So I, w- I went kind of a non-traditional route uh, into education. So I was a biology and a chemistry major in undergraduate, and I thought I was going to be doing research honestly, after that. So after I got done doing a couple internships in the industrial world, I worked in an electroplating lab, and then I worked in a um, water sewage treatment plant for uh, two summers as an intern. I realized that research wasn't for me. It just, I'm more social and I, I want to teach people different things and not be stuck in a lab all day. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up going back and, uh, and getting my master's in education and got certified in seven through 12 uh, life sciences. And here we are after that. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear your story uh, completely, sir. I started in chemical engineering. So as soon as you started talking about uh, those types of jobs, I remember, and, and for me as an educator, and I think a lot of us do, we bring in all those experiences into our classroom. We're constantly telling kids, hey, this is what you have to use at a job, or this is what you have to use in a mm-hmm. career. And that's so important. Yeah, I learned so much, especially with the water sewage treatment plant. Like I was responsible for the beach sampling. So the bacteria counts on Lake Erie. I was out there in my chest waders, you know, every day taking samples of bacteria. Um, We had a a really interesting partnership with a U.S. Geological Survey where Mm -hmm. we actually had to go uh, pick up goose poop and find out if that was a part of the bacteria problem. So I spent an entire summer with popsicle sticks and sample tubes. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? As educators, I can imagine us saying, hey, kids, uh, do you guys want to go out and pick up goose poop and learn from that? I bet bet most kids would find that as as a more exciting alternative to some of the things that we do in our classrooms. Yeah, and they, they don't think, I mean, I think of that as more of like the dirty job aspect of it, but that yeah. that's part of research. Like you got to have samples for these things. So yeah. you and, do what and, you got to do. And even if you never have any experiences like Sarah or I, where you're actually working in some of those kinds of industry kind of things, find people nearby, find businesses, ask people and say, or, or like you said, like U.S. Geological Society or whatever group is is working with those kind of things in your area and just ask them, reach out, send them an email, connect with them and and they're willing to to help and and pass on that information to the next generation of kids. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Industry people are great connections. And especially if you're looking for environmental, like reach out to your local environmental agency. There's so many opportunities that they offer to educators because they really want to get the word out of, of what they're doing and how they can help educators in any way. Yeah. Now you uh, just switched, Sarah, to a STEM school this year. So going from teaching science to teaching science more in a very STEM school focus. How, mm-hmm. how have you noticed the difference or is, is it just changing your perspective or um, I know you're teaching a STEM class too at the same mm-hmm. time. So it's kind of interesting. Like the 
the past five years, I've taught a bunch of different courses. I've taught integrated science. I've taught biology. I've taught engineering. I've taught biomedical science. And now I've kind of been honed down at this new school of teaching biology and then an intro to STEM class. So mm-hmm. I've always had that design thinking mindset mm-hmm. and the design learning journey with it. But now the school that I'm in, these kids have been exposed to it much longer. So they are further along in their design mindsets and the collaboration, the communication and all those great skills that they have are much more developed. So I don't have to spend as much time talking about those things and I can just dive in and they know what the process looks like and what it feels like. So maybe the biggest benefit that we're seeing at schools that are STEM schools is that kids are more used to thinking at things through that STEM lens, trying to Mm -hmm. think of where it does connect to what they're doing each day. Right. And with this school in particular, uh, we start at third grade. So these kids are getting exposed to it at a very, very young age, which is so crucial to start developing those skills. Um, I remember when I was touring the school back in the spring, the principal and I were walking around and I had a third grader come up to me and ask me for feedback on his presentation. Like He didn't (laughs) even know me. And I was like, who is this kid? And can I clone him? Because that is amazing. Like what third grader says, I'm working on a Google Slides presentation. Can you come give me feedback? Like yeah. a random stranger in the building. Yeah. So that's that's the mindset that our school has developed and it carries them through every single uh, every single grade level. And we're, we're really focused on problem-based learning. Yep. So every grade level is responsible for doing at least a couple PBLs during the year. And they turn out really, really amazing. That's good. And kids love that STEM aspect so much. I mean, like you were just saying, that kid walks up to you, they're excited about their project. They want to get some feedback because they want it to be the best they can be. What really just grabs kids in your, in your mind, Sarah, about STEM? I think that it's the right combination of student-driven learning, hands-on learning, real-world, authentic bringing it all together for them. Um, And even just the collaboration piece. I think the collaboration piece is crucial, but it's kind of like the overarching, like there should be collaboration in in STEM, but getting them to understand whatever the concept is in a different way and making it interesting to them. And even just, again, like, tiny little pieces that you can grab on and say, oh, do you, do you remember about this? Or do you remember about that? And pulling it all together just makes it so much more authentic to their learning. Mm-hmm. So again, if you want to connect with Sarah, you can find her on Twitter at Sarah Rivera STEM, uh, Sarah with an H. Uh, and you really do share some neat things that your kids do in your classrooms. Uh, I've, I've just seen so many of them that have just been great ideas that like that would be perfect. Or, you know, cause I teach math. I'm looking at your things you're doing in science and thinking, I could apply that for my math classroom. I could tweak what you're doing, some of those ideas. What are some of the best things that you've done and, and really had some success with that, that could be helpful for other teachers? Sure. One of the things that I've done kind of in the past, I haven't been able to do it this year, is cardboard boat races. Um, mm-hmm. Usually it's physics class that ends up doing that. But that's one of those projects that you could definitely scale on a small scale or on a big scale. So you can yeah. have the kids prototype tiny little cardboard boats. You're figuring out surface area. You're figuring out volume. There's a lot of math in that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the cardboard boat project is amazing with that. And it, it doesn't cost anything. I mean, you can get cardboard. I make friends with my custodians and I'm yep. like, hey, bring me cardboard. Like this yep. is great. Um, at one point in my last school, I had this cardboard box pile that was like 10 feet tall because I kept <laughs> collecting it. 
and I'm sure it was a fire hazard, but then my kids wanted to turn into a fort. So I was like, all right, that's fine until we use it. So um, I like to do a lot of digital design with my science kids. So the one that we did recently was a 3D printed cell project. And that again, involves a lot of math. We were using metric, we were using inches, we were using um, diameter, all that stuff. And the best part about that is, again, you can do it either digital or you can do it um, if you have a 3D printer or a community 3D printer to print them out on. Right. It does a lot of really good modeling and geometry, integrating those geometry skills into that. Yeah. In fact, Um, um, Sarah, what what program were you using when you were having kids do those design things? Sure. Um, Our kids use Tinkercad because it's cloud-based and it works on their Chromebooks. So that works out really, really well for them. And, you know, even if you are sharing devices, Tinkercad loads pretty easily. It's an Autodesk project. And there's a lot of great tutorials on there. So like my kids were very savvy in it before we even began, but I had some kids that were new to the school who were like, what is this and what are we doing? And they figured it out pretty quickly. Yeah. And if any educator hasn't ever used Tinkercad before, all you have to do is search for Tinkercad on Google. You'll find it. And basically it's just, you're dragging and dropping in shapes and those shapes kind of fit together. And as the more you figure out educators, those pieces just go together and make whatever design you want. It's digital design. Mm -hmm. So. Other, any other projects you want to tell us about, Sarah? Um, that you've had some- let's see. So my engineering class, uh, I, I proposed a challenge to them to create these little free libraries where we could put the boxes into the community. They would also be um, in different languages. We were trying to get different uh, language books so that we yep. could reach more of our community population. Oh, yeah. So we went, we went through the, the whole design phase with it, and it was really, really cool because my kids sketched it out. They actually prototyped it uh, with cardboard. They prototyped it with plywood. And mm-hmm. then we had somebody from the uh, community library, the actual public library, mm-hmm. come in and judge all of their designs. Oh, wow. So the winning design got fabricated in our wood shop. And That's got awesome. And put out to the community. Yeah. So. That's such a great more than just, hey, we're doing a project. When you finish, you hand it in. The project is done. Kids need those real life challenges, especially when someone is coming in and saying, I actually need this. It's, it's almost like you're presenting it for a company. You're preventing, presenting it to the boss and saying, this is my idea. And, and kids so need those real examples as much as we can create them. Oh, absolutely. And especially too, when they leave the high school, they're like, I made an impact or I can go see that box that I fabricated. It's still there. And it's, it's like the last community in a, in a really good way. Yeah. Yeah. Now everything always works completely well, right, Sarah? Never, never have any failures. Nothing goes wrong. (laughs) Oh gosh. So I can talk about, I, when we did the cardboard boat races for the first time, that was, oh, let's see, probably four years ago, I took that project on. So I'm like, if MIT can do it, so can we. Heck yeah. So uh, yeah, like, I don't know what I was thinking, but it's fine. (laughs) So I I had like a really crude outline of how I wanted to do it. And we ran out of duct tape. So I had painter's tape and I was like, we'll try painter's (laughs) tape. And then I had some kids be like, can we bring in flex seal? And I'm like, sure, why not? And they all went into the pool and everybody fell apart. They couldn't, they couldn't even go like 10 feet away from the edge of the pool. Everybody just collapsed. (laughs) I was like, well, that didn't work so hot, but we now learned that Painter's tape does not work so well. Right. Your designs need to be better. And Flex Seal is not going to hold up either. So yeah. um, no matter no matter what you see on a commercial. No, not at all. And I love those moments of failure. And I yesterday we had a bunch of moments of failure with my new crop of kids who are using the laser cutter. Mm-hmm. And so they have to go into Corel Draw and they have to make sure everything's linked together. So they're doing this 
project, I call it the puzzle box project, where they have to do a six-sided box and all the sides have to link together without glue. So there's a lot of, again, geometry involved with it. And, you know, we prototype it out of cardboard and some of them didn't weld their pieces together in the design program. So like little tiny chunks are flying out as the laser cutter is going and, and they're like looking at me and I'm like, guess we got to change the design again. Again, we're chatting with Sarah Rivera. Again, you can find her on Twitter at Sarah Rivera Stems. Just some of the ideas that she's doing are, are great ideas you can use in your classroom. What's your hope for STEM education in the future? I know one thing that you commented to me a while back about you want to get more TEM into this, you know, if you take STEM and pull it apart, more of the technology, engineering, and math into the science. I, I feel like sometimes science teachers are, are just looking at science through just a very, very small lens and it's worksheets projects. We must stick to the content and kind of trudge along the path we've always trudged along. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be more hands-on. It needs to have technology involved because our kids enjoy the technology part of it. There's a lot of stuff in science that you can engineer and you can take the time to develop even just small little hands-on activities to get that engineering part in it. And obviously math is a huge part of it. So math is huge in science and they go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. So getting kids to realize that too, like, hey, you know, if you want a career in the medical field, or if you want a career in science research, you have to do math. Yeah. And I know the science teacher at my school, uh, he and I often talk with each other a lot. And, and so each of us in our own classrooms will say, yeah, we're like brothers. And then the kids almost Mm -hmm. get to the point like, wait, are you guys actually brothers? And I'm like, no, (laughs) math and science are like brothers or math and science are like sisters. They're, they're these siblings and they, they help each other out. But it's so hard sometimes, Sarah, though, because we have to work around all that state testing and curriculum Mm -hmm. and standards. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head too. You talk with your colleagues and that's such a a, a crucial piece of integrating both of it. You say, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what am I doing? How is this going to cross over? Um, I just had this conversation yesterday with our math teacher. I was doing percent change for this gummy bear lab that we were doing. And she's like, oh my gosh, we're reviewing percent change next week. And I was like, hey, this is great because I already hit this and the kids are going to come back and do it. So just finding those commonalities. um, And I know it always comes back to you when do we have time to do this as teachers? But just even opening a conversation of how can we do this together? And it it honestly makes both teachers' lives a little bit easier. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you're getting extra review on the subject, on the content of the things that you're trying to help your kids understand because they're doing it in another class. And, and it doesn't matter if you're high school, like, like Sarah and I are, or middle school or elementary, reach out to those colleagues because your kids are going into another classroom at some point in the day. You know, 99% of kids are going into some other classroom doing something. Um, mm-hmm. Connect with them and find out what they're doing or, or talk to the teacher from the year before or the teacher for, you know, the next year class and say, what is it that you guys need these kids to, to say? But again, yeah, just reach out, talk and, mm-hmm. and figure those things out. Even if you have a fabrication teacher or any sort of wood shop or metal shop or industrial tech, talk to those people too. Um, I I feel like sometimes content area people tend to be like, I'm in my little pocket of content and you don't think kind of more broadly. Talk to your technology teachers. Talk to the people who are considered electives or specials or whatever you want to call them because they have great ideas as well. Yeah, especially if you're, you know, uh, fab lab or if your STEM lab or your maker space are only being used certain hours of the day, that's just free resources just sitting there. How can we look at those things and say, we're doing a good thing by leaving those empty parts of the day? 
before we get to the last question, any other, any other last thoughts or things that you think, uh, if you could just uh, share with a teacher, you know, these are great pieces of advice, especially in terms of getting started with STEM ideas or um, just trying to add some of those things into their classroom? Sure. Um, one thing that, I mean, I've, this is my eighth year of teaching, so I guess I'm still a, a rookie in regards to the, you know, the lifelong teaching thing. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I have, I have found out over the years is use your resources and network as much as you can, because yeah. the more networking you can do with other teachers, the more you're going to be able to learn and to take in and to be inventive and creative and pull those different ideas into your classroom. I mean, that would be my for any new teacher, networking is so, so important, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's another social media, even just going to a conference here or there, like networking has, has created so many ideas. Yeah. One, one more quick piece is ask your students. What, what were your, I, the one thing I started with this year with my new kids, because I, I didn't know any of them at all. Mm -hmm. I never had them as students before, is mm -hmm. we did a little bit of an empathy circle where we sat around and we talked about our experiences in science before. Oh. See where they're coming from, see where they've, what they've learned, what they've liked and what they disliked. And obviously there are some things within our control, but they all have a very interesting perspective on that one teacher that made them dislike science because oh, yeah. they did X, Y, and Z. And so then you think about that and you kind of reflect on that as your own practice where are you doing these sorts of things how can you change it not necessarily to like win them over but just as a are they learning best and how are they learning best yeah that's a that's a really good idea sarah thank you for sharing that because yeah every kid has had some teacher at, at a previous time um, not that that teacher is bad, but it just didn't connect with how that kid learned. And, and we can learn so much from, from those ideas. Uh, fun final question, as always, Sarah, I love to ask this question because I think it inspires us all to, to learn about new people or think about how different people can inspire our own students. If you could have anybody from STEM, past or present, come into your classroom and be a guest speaker and just inspire those kids, who would it be? Mm -hmm. Uh, my current one, I would say my mind changes like on a weekly basis because I discover <laughs> new people and I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. My current one is Jennifer Dudna. She's the uh, co-founder of CRISPR and Cas9 gene editing. Okay. Um, she's a big name now with the whole gene editing uh, concept. And I think she's just fascinating. You know, she's done research for a very, very long time. And she has discovered this amazing life-altering, literally and figuratively, mechanism that could change how diseases are, are edited and how, how different things are switched on and off in our bodies. Like, that's would be so awesome just to talk to her and pick her brain. Like, how did you get to where you are? And what, you know, what kind of, how much failure did you go through to get to this point where you, you have this amazing mechanism? And say her name again for everybody. Uh, Jennifer Dudna. It's D-O-U-D-N-A. She has a great TED Talk. I was going to say, and she's got DNA in her name. I mean, how cool is that? I never looked at that. Look at you. <laughs> it's almost like she was destined to figure out things right, about genetics. Right, so, yes. So uh, give, your, give your kids those opportunities to learn about those, those great STEM superheroes that are around doing amazing, crazy things mm -hmm. in our world. Get them thinking about real people that can do real things. So great ideas. Again, thank you for joining us. Just really appreciate you sharing all your, your great ideas. 
Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And again, if you want to connect with Sarah, find her on Twitter at Sarah Rivera STEM. You can find all that stuff in the show notes. And remember, subscribe to the STEM Everyday Podcast so that you don't miss out on any of these great interviews with all these great educators. And if you want to find out more, connect with me on Twitter at Daily STEM or at DailySTEM.com. You've been listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find out more information about this or other episodes, please visit RemarkableChatter.com or DailySTEM.com. Oh.